I've got really great news for a lot of you, and that is that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I believe with all my heart that the next 30 minutes will be a life-altering 30 minutes for many, many, many of you. I really believe that, that what you're going to experience from God's Word, for so many of you, it will be a life-altering 30 minutes, that there will be parts of your life that will never, ever be the same, that you will follow even more fully what God has for you, and you'll look back and say it was on this day that you heard from God and your life was totally uh, moved in a new direction. The bad news is that there will be a lot of you who will find all sorts of excuses as to why not to apply the teaching of God's Word into your life. For many of you, it'll be life-altering, and sadly, for many of you, you'll have a whole list of excuses as to why not to apply this. That is our topic for today as we open up the series called I Quit. I pray that together we will all quit making excuses. Uh, the reality is, if I asked all of you this, uh, especially during this time of the year, if I said, uh, what do you hope to be different about your life? What would you like to see different? Chances are, most of you, especially this time of the year, uh, you could give me two or three or four different things. You might say, you know, I really want to lose weight, or, you know, I've been working too hard. I'm always promising to slow down, and I really, I, I really need to spend more time with my family, or, you know, I really need to find a mentor, or I need to find a place to use my gifts in the church, or whatever, if I ask you, what do you hope would be different about your life, most of you would be able to say, I would like this to be different about my life. The problem, if you're taking notes, is this. As soon as I decide to be different, Satan gives me excuses to stay the same, doesn't he? As soon as you make a decision, there's all these reasons why it's really not worth the effort. In fact, Jesus told a story recorded in Luke 14, verse 16 and following, that in so many ways captures this problem. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. So he's sending out invitations, big party, everybody, please come, verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But Jesus said they all alike begin to do what? All of our campuses, network churches, he said they all alike begin to make excuses. If you read their excuses, they're really kind of funny. One guy says, I just bought a field and I need to go see it. Another guy says, I bought five yoke of oxen and I need to go try them out. Now I'm not a farm boy, but I don't know what that means, how you try out your oxen. Another guy says, I just got married, and, and so I can't come. And immediately upon the invitation, there's excuse after excuse after excuse, much like many of us. I would like for this to be different about my life, but I tried last year and the year before and the year before, nothing's really different, so why bother? I would like to do this, but I'm just not good enough. I would like to do this, but I'm better than a lot of people anyway, and so why should I focus in on this? I would like, but... Excuse after excuse after excuse, which is exactly why at the end of January, a full 40% of New Year's resolutions are already gone. And according to studies, by February 15th, 75% of people have given up on their New Year's resolutions because when we have good ideas, then we rely on our own strength, and our own strength and our own resolve is at some point limited. 
It's good news for me that uh, many of you run out of energy on your New Year's resolutions because I hate January in the gym with all my heart. Because there's so many of you, little New Year's resolution, get in shape, and I can't get a treadmill. Thank God when March comes and I can get my treadmill back and everybody's quit. (laughs) The reason is for so many people, we've got good intentions rather than God intentions. And there's a tremendous difference. Good intentions versus God intentions. Good intentions center around us. This is what I would like to be different about my life. Good intentions are me-centered. God intentions, though, are very different. They're God-centered. This is what God wants to be different about my life, and instead of being based on my own abilities, my own strength, my own resolve, if I've got a God intention, then I can rely fully on God's power to do what God wants me to do. And so what I want to do today to help us all quit making excuses is I want to ask you a couple of questions that are a little bit different than most people would ask, but with all my heart, I believe that the difference can make a dramatic impact on your life. The first question I want to ask, instead of saying, what do you want to be different about your life, I want to ask it this way. What does God want to be different about your life? What is God, the creator of the universe who loves you and has great plans for you, what does God want to be different in your life? And what I'd like for you to do is just prayerfully think about it for a moment. And what God wants may be the very same thing that you want, but when you attribute the idea to God rather than yourself, it's going to totally change the way you approach this. Think about it. What does God want? Uh, Maybe for some of you, God really wants you to start a ministry. It's been on your heart for a long time. Maybe God wants you to give something to somebody, it's, it's, you've, you, to become more generous in this way. Uh, God wants you to reach out and be involved in Switch. You, it's been on your heart to come and mentor and disciple teenagers, and, and you know that's what God wants, but you haven't. Uh, God wants you to uh, invest spiritually in your children. You're a good dad, but you're just not pouring into them spiritually. What do you believe that God wants to be different about your life. A lot of you, you already know, and you can go ahead and write that down right now. Just write it down right now in the blank. What does God want to be different? If it's private, just write on there private so your nosy neighbor can't look on and go, oh, you're weird, man, that's nasty. And uh, for those of you that have nothing that, that God wants to be different, just don't write anything on your paper. And if you're sitting next to someone with nothing on their page, just look over and say, wow, I'm sitting next to Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> You're perfect. I had no idea that I'm sitting next to someone perfect. Jesus Christ, the perfect Son of God, is right next to me in church. That's really cool because there's nothing God wants to be different about your life. So think about it and listen to this message in light of what God wants to be different in your life. Second question, and this to me is where a lot of the power comes in. Let me ask you this. Why does God want this to be different in your life? Why does God want this area of your life to be different? Why? Why? When you connect the spiritual why with the what, there is power and motivation to accomplish the what. Let me give you some examples. Uh, If I said, what does God want to be different about your life? You may say, you know, I really believe God wants me to get in better shape, to eat right, to lose some weight, and to start exercising. Well, why? Well, because I'm not in shape, and I'm kind of fat, and I don't look good in my fat jeans, okay? No, 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 that's not why. 
Why does God want you to get in better shape? Why does God? The answer is because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It is a house for God. And God wants you to honor him by caring for your body so you can live long, effective days on earth glorifying God with your body. That is the why behind the what. When you connect the spiritual why with the what, the spiritual why will motivate you to accomplish the what that not you have decided, but God has decided. Motivation suddenly increases. You might say, well, uh, what does God want me to do? Uh, you, you might say, well, I really believe God wants me to read through my Bible this year. Or I really believe God wants me to pray uh, with my wife or with my kids. I really believe God wants me to be in a small group. I've known it for a long time because I need other believers investing in me spiritually. We need to share God's word together. We need to do life together in an Acts 2 biblical fashion. Why? Why does God want that? Uh, well, you know, it's just I just think he does. No, no, no. What, the answer to the why is pray with your spouse, read through the word, be in a life group so that you can become more like Christ, so that your life brings glory to him on earth when you connect the spiritual why with the what, your motivation increases to do that which God has asked you to do and that which pleases God. Well, what is God calling you to do? Well, I really think God wants me to get out of debt and to get my spending under control and to be more generous with the resources. Why? Well, because debt's bad and I want a boat. No, no, no. Debt is bad and a boat's fine. But why does God want you to get out of debt and all that stuff? So that the spiritual why to the what is so that you can honor God with wise stewardship of the resources he trusts to you for just a very short period of time and leverage them for kingdom impact and for his glory. When you connect the spiritual why with the what, then all of a sudden all the excuses that used to keep you away start to diminish because your motivation is by the one who asked you to do it and for his glory. And think about this, think about this. When you know what God wants for you, the God of the universe wants this to be different about your life. And when you agree with God that this should be different, there is no excuse on earth that can keep it from happening. Do you understand that? If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is the author of the change and you have every power available to you from him, then there is no excuse that will keep you from the perfect will of God. Why? Because this isn't a me-centered good intention. This is a God-centered God intention. This is what he wants, and no force on earth will keep me from his perfect will. I quit making excuses, and I pray you will as well. Let me show you a story from the Old Testament, a great example of excuses and God's response to man's excuses. Uh, Exodus chapter 4, God had called Moses to help deliver uh, the Israelites from the bondage of slavery to the Egyptians. They were under very cruel taskmasters. The people had been crying out for deliverance, and so God chooses one man and ask him to do something out of his comfort zone. And this is what I love about God, is typically when God asks you to do something, it's not something that you think you can accomplish easily, because if you could accomplish it easily, then you wouldn't need God. 
Some of you, when I ask you what is it that God wants to be different, he's going to ask you to do something that you don't think is possible. Even more evidence that it's God asking you because he loves to get the glory when he helps you to do things you couldn't do on your own. God says, Moses, you're my guy. Moses says, "Uh uh-uh, God, I'm not your guy. And watch the conversation come about. Verse 10 from Exodus 4, Moses said to the Lord, Oh, Lord, (laughs) not me. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm a slow of speech and tongue. In other words, I don't like public speaking, and leaders have to speak publicly. I pee in my pants in front of a crowd. I don't want to do this. I'm not good enough. And what was Moses doing in response to God's challenge? He was listing his resume of excuses why he wasn't good enough. What exactly was he doing? He was looking at his own inabilities rather than God's unlimited abilities. He was looking at his own very limited power rather than God's unlimited power. And God gets up in his business, verse 11. The Lord said to him, everybody say the Lord. The Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? The answer is whom? Say it aloud, the answer is the Lord. He says, who makes him deaf or mute? Again, the answer is the Lord. Who gives him sight or makes him blind? The correct answer is the Lord. God helps him out. In case you're not paying attention, Moses, is it not I, the Lord? In other words, if I'm going to ask you to do something, don't you think since I'm on your side, I'm going to help you get it done? If you answer the question, I believe the Lord wants this to be different in my life this year, don't you think the God of the universe is going to be there to help you get it done? I love when uh, Jeremiah, God asked Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for me? I believe with all my heart, some of you, you know something that God wants to be different, and you've got all these reasons as why you can't and you won't and it will never happen, and I would say to you, is anything too hard for the Lord? But you don't understand, I know God wants me to be patient with my kids, but they just, (laughs) do you really not believe that God who gives the spiritual fruit of patience cannot help you be more patient? Oh, I know God wants me to be more submissive, but I just, I can't. I'm just not that kind. Do you really, really not think if the Lord God asks you to do something in his word and confirms it in your spirit that he will not give you the ability to submit? Well, I, I, I know God wants us to have a godly marriage, but she's just, and I, and I, do, do you really think that anything is too hard for the Lord. No more earthly excuses discounting the eternal power of God. No more excuses. God goes on to say this to to, uh, Moses, verse 12. He says, Moses, basically, quit your whining. Now go. Go. I will help you, and I will teach you what to say. Everybody say, now go. Now go. He says, and I will do what? I will help you, and I will teach you what to say. Two thoughts, very practical from this text. The first one I believe God is saying to Moses and to you, do what you can do. Do what you can do. Now go. I've told you what to do. Now go. No excuses. Quit thinking about it. Quit having your little prayer time. Go. Do it. Do it. 
Some of you, you know what God wants you to do. Do it. Someone said, delayed obedience is disobedience. Don't you dare delay. If God has shown you what he wants to be different, you go and do the next thing you can do. You don't have to over-spiritualize everything and say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I believe the Lord wants me to quit smoking, and I'm waiting for him to take the desire away. That's stupid. Don't wait, wait on him to take, throw the cigarettes away. So someone asked me one time, uh, Craig, do you think if a Christian smokes, they'll go to hell? No, no. They'll smell like hell. <laughs> you, may, you may go to heaven faster, you know, but no, no. I believe the Lord, I'm waiting for him to take, no, throw them in the trash can today. Or better yet, when the offering bucket comes by, take your ciggies, drop them in the offering bucket, say, God, I'm just giving those to you because they're not mine anymore. I'm doing what I can do. I'm trusting you to do what I can. God wants you to get in better shape. Throw the Twinkies away. Get them out of the house. But I love chips. And dip. get the chips are no longer in your possession. Whatever it is, you do what God calls you. Uh, I believe God wants me to start a ministry. So what do you do? You call some people together and you go public with it. This is, what, this is what's going to, and you do it today. God wants you to be in a life group. You've known it for a long time. Walk out the door into the lobby. Walk up to the person and say, help me find a life group. Those of you at church online, type it in right now. Help me find an online group. I want to see it going up right here. Right now in the chat, do it right now. Right, no excuses. You just do it. Do what you can do. Now go, he says. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I am 20 years of marriage. I'm goo goo gaga, madly in love with my wife. I, it, was like, it was like we're, I mean, it's like, I feel like we're dating. I'm so in love. Uh, I brag about her all the time. People always say, is she perfect? No, not quite. Okay, almost, but not quite. And so just to prove to you that she's not perfect, I want to tell you a story. I do have permission for this, but she is not here in this service, so I have complete freedom to tell it as it happened. <laughs> when, uh, when, when we were dating, I was just like, oh, man, this girl's amazing. And I was bragging on her, and a roommate took me aside and said, Craig, she really is. She's a great girl, but you just need to know, i got to warn you, that in the mornings, she's usually not real happy. Like, what does that mean? It's like, She's not a morning person, not at all. I was like, okay, so I kind of logged that in my mind that, you know, that's, you know, big deal. Everything else is good. Then I was over at her parents' house, and I was walking down this hallway toward her bedroom at the end of the house, and her dad put his arm around me and said, Craig, we're so excited to have you in the family, but I just feel like I'm supposed to tell you, be very careful around Amy in the morning. <laughs> like, what do you mean? And well, sure enough... They weren't lying. We got married in the morning time. I'm like, who are you? And what have you done with my sweet wife? You know, and she just went, ah! And uh, so after some time, God really started to deal with her about um, her morning thing. She said, I really believe that God wants to change me. And I was like, yes, he does. I confirm it in my spirit. The Lord said it unto you that he would like this to be different. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, let's pray right now. And, and so she really felt like this was a burden that God wanted to be different. And so here's what she did. She prayed, and the very next day, she set her alarm early. I love this. God wants me to be a morning person. It starts tomorrow. She prayed, and she set her alarm early the next day. And I'll tell you what. 
God is my witness, he changed her. It is a miracle that rivals the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> she, uh, she is a different person and now every day she's up early uh, with her Bible open, her notepad there seeking God and this was something that God put on her heart and guess what she did? She didn't wait around, oh I hope, I just, no, she set the alarm. Do what you can do. It's that simple. The Lord wants something to be different. You do what you can do. Now go, God says to Moses. Now go. I will do what I can do. Everybody say that. Everybody say, I will do what I can do. Say it again. I will do what I can do. Now say this. I will trust God to do what I cannot do. I will do what I can do. I will trust God to do what I cannot do. Write that down. Trust God to do what you cannot do. Trust him. Uh, here's what happened. God said to Moses, go. And when you go, I will help you and teach you. It's almost like God implied, I'm not going to help you and teach you until you go. You do what you can do. There are some things I won't do for you. And when you take the step of faith, I will help you. When you go, I will help you and I will teach you. You do what I told you to do, and I'll do what you're incapable of doing yourself. It's a little bit like uh, with six kids, I've had the honor of teaching all six of them to ride a bicycle. Now that they all six ride a bicycle, we're moving on to cars, teaching them to drive. God help us all in heaven. <laughs> you want to know how to pray for me? Pray for grace, mercy, and angels all around these cars with these kids driving, and be careful on the roads because we might be practicing. <laughs> okay. So when my kids are learning to ride a bicycle, what do, what do they do? Here's the goal. Your father wants you to learn to ride a bicycle. You want to ride a bicycle. If your father wants you to and you want to, what excuse is going to stop you? But I'm scared. No, you don't need your training wheels. Your father said, so you go and you start pedaling. But daddy, what if I fall? I will help you and I will teach you a lot. You keep going and I will help you until you can do this without me. You go and I will be there for you. If I look like I have a bad back, it's because six times I helped them go <laughs> this way. You go and God will help you. One time I talked to a guy after I did a message on purity and overcoming the lust of the flesh. And afterwards he came up to me and he looked like he'd been hit by a truck. He was just dazed, dazed. And he just, I never, I never will forget the desperation in his eyes and in his tone. He just said, I've never told anybody this before. And it was just so heavy on him. And he said, for over 20 years, I've been addicted to pornography. And I cannot get over it. He went on to tell me the whole deal when he was a teenager. He found this big stash, and it, he didn't want to, and he justified it, and he, it became more, and he thought when he got married it would go away, and it didn't, and his wife didn't know, and he's prayed, and he's tried, and he just looked at me with the most defeated just look, and he said, I've tried everything, and I cannot overcome this problem. It, it's too big for me. And I just looked at him and said, are you really telling me that God cannot help you overcome this. And he said, I'm really telling you, it's impossible. And I just, I got in his face, it's like, do you, are, no, 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 hold on, remember who I am, I am your pastor. 
are you really going to tell me God cannot help you? And he said, I'm telling you, it's too big. Now, when I pray, I am not a typical television-type prayer guy. I don't know if you've ever noticed. Guys on television, they pray loud. I always think God can hear me whether I'm loud or not. They, uh, they also make Jesus have like five syllables when they pray. Have you ever noticed that? It's pretty cool. I'm just not good at it. And Jesus, a hustle, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I'm all for that. I'm just kind of not good at it. So I, I typically, people are always like, why don't you pray powerfully? I just believe that God hears the words and there's, there's power in his strength. So I'm always kind of low-key on the prayer thing. But in this one case, I just felt like I'm going to pray loud for this guy's sake, not for God. I grabbed him and did kind of a TV prayer thing. I grabbed him like this. I looked him right in the eye and I said, in the name of Jesus. I think Jesus had three syllables that day when I prayed. In the name of Jesus, I pray and ask God to loose you from this bondage by the same blood that Jesus shed. You are forgiven. You are changed. You're an overcomer by the, and I just shouted it out and just went, I don't even know what I said, but I said, I believe by faith you will overcome this. And, and, and I just prayed in Jesus' name. And, he, and his eyes were big. And I, I opened, I looked at him and said, I said, do you believe God has done this? And he said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I said, here's what I want you to do. Go tell your wife, tell your campus pastor, and get counseling. He's like, I can't tell. I said, no excuses. God just did it. Now you go do your part. You go tell your wife, get her help, get, but she's going to not. No, you tell her you need her help to overcome this. Okay. You go tell your campus pastor. You need his support. Okay. You go get counseling, and you're in counseling this week. I believe with all my heart God has done this. And he said, I said, do you believe this? And he's like, yeah. I said, you do your part, and God is going to do his. Well, every time I see this guy today, he looks at me and goes, Pastor Greg, porn free, baby, porn free. Now, I don't know what this means, but I just look back and go, porn free, baby, porn free in Jesus' name. So you, you go and do what God calls you to do. You, you go, and he will help you, and he will teach you. No excuses. No excuses. You, if God wants it for you, and you want it for you, there's no excuse, no power, no weapon that will stop you from what God wants you to do. I, I'll give you the most personal example. And I didn't, I didn't know if I'd ever share this, but I'm actually excited to. About, I don't know, four or probably four years ago or so, as a leader of the church, I was really disturbed by so much of what was going on, or I should say not going on in our church. I was tremendously frustrated. And because we were one of the first churches to go with a multi-site model, we honestly were kind of breaking ground. And this, this is not like a business that should be run like a business. This is the people ministry. And so I can't go copy models of corporations because it truly is different, but it, it is. We're talking multiple locations. People need oversight and accountability and such. And so we're really trying to break new ground on how this should be done. And what's happening is out at many of the campuses, I couldn't see them. I, couldn't, I can't get there physically very often and it's hard to preach and be there. And there's only so much time uh, and I was really, really frustrated that there was a lack of spiritual emphasis, and it seemed like people were just doing what they were told, not really thinking, and we were getting tremendously slow. I mean, slow. We, uh, we put in this layer of management, and there was all this bureaucracy and paperwork, and it just was, it just, it, it was, it was feeling corporate and not spirit-empowered. And I tried everything I could think of to fix it. Couldn't figure it out 
couldn't figure it out. And I just finally concluded the best days of the church are behind us. This is just the best we have. Let's just make the best of it. I was so defeated, really depressed. And I was at a leadership conference teaching pastors how to lead. And I taught and I sat down and I just put my head down like, you hypocrite. You can't even fix your own church problems. You're telling other people how. And I just like, God, I give up. I, I cannot. I, mean, I, I thought maybe someone else needs to do that. I can't fix it. Can't, I cannot fix it. And this next guy started speaking. I had my little notebook there. And I was just, just wasn't really even uh, asking God for anything. I'd totally given up. And I believe God spoke to me. And if, if you've been here for a while, I'm not one of those guys that just goes around saying, and God said. You know, I can count on a couple of hands the times where I really believe there's a special word from God for me for this unique time. And this was one of those times. And I'm going to tell you what, what I feel like God said. It's a little bit embarrassing because it's kind of cheesy, but it's exactly what I needed. I was just there going, I can't fix it. It's, it's over. And I felt like, and I wrote it down. I've still got it in my notebook. God said, quit whining. You're sharp. I'll help you fix it. And that was it. And the moment God said that, something in my heart changed. Quit whining. It was like, it was like my dad or a coach saying, come on, get up off your butt. Don't give me excuses. I mean, that's the way, that's the way I believe God would speak to me. Come on, Groeschel. Pull it up, man. Get, quit, quit your whining. And then he said to me, you're sharp. Because at that time, I didn't feel sharp at all. I felt so incapable. I felt unqualified. I didn't feel good enough. And like, look, I gave you gifts. I called you. I put you in this place. Don't you think that I knew what I was doing when I chose you? You're sharp. Now, you go do what you can do, and I'll help you. And all of a sudden, I had faith for it. Where moments before, I didn't feel like I, I could ever make a change. I had faith that if I would do my part, God would do his. I had faith for it. And there's some of you, if you take anything away from it, is I want you to walk away today saying, I have faith for what God has asked me to do. I have faith for it. I, if he calls me, if he directs it, he will protect it. I have faith for this. So I stood before our staff and I said, here's what's bothering me. I don't believe this is right. This is, this is stopping the work of God. Here's what's going to change. This layer of management is gone. Freedom to innovate again. You pray, you fast, you seek God. When you hear from God, you do it. Don't become corporate. Be spiritually driven, mission-minded world changers. And I'm telling you, 30 minutes later, the culture was different. I had faith for it. God worked in the hearts of the people and in 30 minutes, the direction of our church was corrected, and what we're seeing today is a result of someone who stopped making excuses. Think about what could be different in your life, in the lives of those around you, if you would quit making excuses. You don't come with good ideas. You come with God ideas centered around him, his power, and his glory. You do what you can do, and you trust God to do what you cannot do, and he will get all the glory when together you do things that lift up his name. Father, I pray that we would stop insulting you with our pathetic excuses. And I ask that you would speak to people today directly about what you want to be different about their lives. As you're praying today at all of our churches, many of you would say, I know it, I, I already know what God wants to be different. I can sense it, and it's time. If that's you today at, at all of our locations, and you know there's something significant that needs to change, would you just lift up your hands right now? Just lift them up, lift them up high all over the places in an act of faith before God. Say, yes, I, I know what it is.
God, I pray for those that do not have a hand lifted. I pray that, God, they would have a burden to seek you, never sitting spiritually complacent, insulting you as if they've arrived. Give them a burden, O oh God, from you. For those, God, that have already heard from you, I pray that they would have faith for what you want to be different. They would have faith for it. God, I pray that uh, they would connect the why, the spiritual why, why you want this to be different with the what, and the why would motivate them. Why, the spiritual why would motivate the what. God, I pray very practically that they would do what they can do, whatever it is. Whatever it is, God, that they would start the ball moving. And God, I thank you and praise you that you will be with them on one side, on the other, correcting them when they fall, strengthening them when they're weak, encouraging them when they're down, and empowering them by the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave to do what you call them to do. God, I pray they would have faith for it. And God, that you would accomplish every good work and purpose that you have for your willing children. And when you do, God, you will get all of the glory. We quit, God, making excuses. As you keep praying today, there are many of you that if you were really, really honest today, you would admit that you are not a fully devoted follower of Christ. Some of you, it's really obvious. Nobody's going to accuse you of being a full-on, all-in, Christ-centered believer. If you look at your life, there's, there's, there's nothing that resembles the teaching of God in the Bible. But something in you is drawing you toward God. You say, I don't know what it is, but I, I really am feeling drawn toward God. Let me tell you what that is. That is the work of the Holy Spirit who reaches out to people who are not gods and draw them into a relationship with God. Now, as soon as the Holy Spirit starts working, here's what's going to happen in your mind. There'll be all, a whole list of excuses. Oh, you know, this is just an emotional thing. No, it's not. It's spiritual. It's not emotional. Oh, you know, I'm not good enough. I need to clean up my life first. Let me tell you this. You'll never be good enough. Get over that. That's an excuse to keep you off the right track. Oh, but, but you know, if I try and fail, everybody's going to call me a hypocrite. Guess what? You are going to try and you are going to fail. That's life. Those are lame excuses keeping you from the resurrection life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you, you believe in Jesus. You've been around the church, but you are not a fully devoted follower. Guess what? Today it's going to change. In your mind, you may say, but if I decide this, people are going to say, but wasn't he a Christian? Is he not? doesn't matter what people think. No excuses. Jesus bled he died, he rose again so that you could be forgiven, so that you could have eternal life. There is no excuse on earth keeping you from knowing him and serving him. All of our locations today, those of you who would say, you know what, that's why I'm here. I want to commit my life to him. I want to serve him fully. I want to give my life. Everybody look up right now. Everybody looking up at me. If that's you today, just stand up right now. Stand up. I want to follow Jesus. Stand up. Applaud for these people. All of our campuses, stand up where you are. Just stand. I want to, I want to follow him. No excuses. Stand up where you are. Praise God for you all. Praise God for you all. Just stand up right where you are. Stay standing, man. You already stood up. Stay standing. Others of you, stand up and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. No excuses. I want to follow Jesus. Stand up where you are. You're afraid of what somebody's going to think. Stand your butt up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Get up. Stand up. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Others of you, get up. Follow him. Follow him. Praise God for you. Praise God for you, sir. Praise God for you. 
Everybody, would you just stand with them right now? Everybody stand together. Just uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, everybody pray. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. I give you my life. No excuses. Holding nothing back. I surrender to you. Be the Lord of my life first in every way. Because you died for me, I choose to live for you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody take a moment and worship God. Worship him for who he is and what he's done.